So Genesis 1, starting at verse 24. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock, creatures that move along the ground, wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, every tree that has fruit with seed in it, and they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The year was 1968. The Apollo 8 crew was orbiting the moon on a six-day mission. And the three astronauts had their attention focused on the moon below, on the lunar surface. And they were so focused on what they were doing that they didn't notice something happening outside their field of vision until they just caught it in the corner of their eye and they saw the earth from where they were, but the earth was rising up. And it was this disorienting moment for them. It was a disorienting inversion of, of their experience of a sunrise. The three men on board the Apollo 8 saw this marble-like planet in the darkness rising up. And they scrambled to get a photo. This is what they were to do, they were astronauts. They wanted to capture this moment, this disorienting and beautiful moment. This is the image. So they were so focused on the, the lunar landscape, and all of a sudden, there was the Earth rising up, and they scrambled to get a photo. And this photo has become one of the most famous taken from space, recognized instantly, especially by those who first saw it in 1968. Because all of a sudden, our world, 
our planet, our home, was seen in this moment of glory, in its beauty, and in its smallness. Bill Anders was the astronaut who took this photo, and he said of the moment, as he reflected on it later, he said, it was the only color that we saw. And it was contrasted by this really unfriendly, stark lunar horizon. And it made me think, you know, we really live on a beautiful little planet. 50 years ago, the Apollo 8 crew, with this vision of the Earth hanging in the darkness, sent a special message back home to Earth. The three of them sent back. For all the people back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the Earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. This morning, as we explore the theme of creation care, we go back to the beginning too. Just like these three astronauts did, making their way around the moon, watching the earth rise, they went back to the beginning of all things, to creation to their creator, just like we will this morning. We're just going to leave this picture up throughout, because I'll kind of keep back referring to it. So just, this is our, our little planet Earth, this beautiful little planet hanging like a jewel in the darkness. By the time we join the Genesis story this morning, a lot has happened, even in the space of two pages in my Bible. God has already said, let there be light, let there be land, water, sky, sea, sun, moon, fish, birds. He's already blessed all the fish that swim, all the birds that fly with a blessing on the fifth day of creation. And then comes day six, which is the portion of the creation story that we read this morning. And it's a loud and noisy day, because this is where all the land animals appear. Creepy crawlies and wild beasts it's a flurry of tusks and hooves of fur and claws, of braying and trumpeting, of snouts and tails. And then humans get their entrance onto the stage, into the world that God made. Let us make humans in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all creatures that move along the ground. And God blessed the humans, commanding them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Made in God's image, God gave us both a blessing and a command together. And while the words of subdue and dominion in other translations and rule have been distorted and misused over the centuries, the original intent of God's blessing and command together is one of care and love. 
fill the earth is to explore, to enjoy, to learn its boundaries and experience the earth's beauty, to teach your children and your grandchildren and their children and their grandchildren after them to love the place you live. To subdue it is to cultivate its potential, to build into it, to bring out what is possible, to tend fields and plants, to make your home in its wild places, and to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air is an invitation, a command to care for all of these creatures. Naming them, helping them along to live into their blessing that they received, to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. God gives us humans not only the responsibility of earth-keeping, but the invitation to love the world that God made with such joy and with his own love. This beautiful little planet Earth, with its swirling white clouds, its blue oceans, its vast continents and mountains, its braying animals and slithering, crawling things, of eagles soaring and dolphins diving, of maple trees and mosquitoes, of bumblebees and sequoias, and snow. But we are so far from Genesis 1. It seems like and this is only my perspective in my life, in my 30-something years on this planet, it seems like more now than ever that the state of this beautiful little planet is front and center. Our news programs, social media feeds, newspapers, bring us this unrelenting cascade of stories and stats and articles and warnings about climate change ocean pollution, whole species dying off in record numbers, bee populations plummeting, polar ice sheets melting, the deserts expanding, the floods increasing. And it's so much easier, so tempting just to flick off the screen, to turn off the television, to quickly scroll past another worrying news story in our feed, to block that one friend who's always posting those environmentally-minded posts on Facebook. But here in Genesis 1, at our very beginning, we're confronted with the simple fact that we can't just ignore these worrying signs. That it is our vocation, our calling, our God-given task as God's image bearers to care and tend and rule and watch over God's creation. Now, caring for the creation is having a moment right now. Environmentalism has gone mainstream, right? 
I mean, everyone is chucking their plastic straws. Corporations are stressing how sustainable they are. Farm to table isn't just a novelty at a few pricey restaurants, but even fast food chains are getting in on it. Trying to connect your hamburger patty with those happy Canadian cows grazing in a green pasture. Governments are trying to set new standards to address climate change. There is so much that we can applaud and join and throw our effort behind in these things, in these efforts. But there's also much that we should be wary of. Because there can be, there can be an alarmist sense of despair in the mainstream conversation around our planet, our Earth, our world. It's a despair that can paralyze some into inaction. Just throw your hands up, can't do it. And then it's others driven by that despair are led into extreme actions. There can also be an anti-human strain of thought that sees lessening the value of human life as the only way to protect the earth. We have to choose sides. And then, to complicate it even further, in today's polarized culture, care for the earth has become deeply politicized. And it becomes harder to share to collaborate on good practices and policies because of entrenched political camps. We just don't hear each other anymore. And this is where we as followers of Jesus bring a countercultural word of love and of hope into this complicated and conflicting and often guilt-fueled mainstream cultural conversation on how to care for this beautiful little planet. Because caring for creation, it's a human task, but it is also a deeply Christian one. There are some of our Christian brothers and sisters who dismiss any concern for the earth as a waste of time. Because in the end, it doesn't really matter. Because when Jesus returns and this world will be burned up and done away with and we escape to heaven, what does it matter if we planted a tree? And the bottom line for them is that we should be about the business of saving souls and not trees. It's pretty simple, fairly clear cut. But our God who created this little planet and the cosmos with such obvious joy and pleasure, who sustains the world even now when it is hurting and broken, is the same God who came to our world in the person of Jesus Christ, who breathed the air, who walked the ground, who swam in the water, who listened to birdsong, who knows our world as we do, as our home, our place, in all its glory and beauty and brokenness 
and smallness and preciousness. It's in Paul's letter to the Colossians that we're told that this same Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. For in him, in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Paul tells us that all things were created through Jesus and for him. And through Jesus, our creating, sustaining, and redeeming God is reconciling all things on earth and in heaven to himself. It's a good reminder that the scope of God's redemptive act is cosmic and expansive. And it includes all that God has made, souls and trees, seas and sky, stars and dirt every square inch in heaven and on this beautiful little planet we call home. So as followers of Jesus, caring for creation is an act of love and obedience. It's in response to that first command God gave us in Genesis 1. And as followers of Jesus, caring for creation is an act of hope in the promises of God to reconcile, to renew all things in heaven and on earth through Jesus, the firstborn of creation. Now that's all well and good. That's some good theological work. A bit heavy lifting, but pretty solid. So what does it look like? What does this actually look like? in our lives. Not, not just in the big moments, but in the small moments too. What does it look like to be faithful caretakers of God's creation, acting out of love and hope? There's a poet who focuses his, his work on ecology, on environmental activism. And he was asked, how we're to live in response to a world that so desperately needs healing, that seems to be so broken, so hurting. And I love his response, and I think it rings true for us. See if it rings true for you. He says, settle down, get to know your place, and dig in. Settle down, Get to know your place and dig in. We don't get to give in to despair. We don't get to get paralyzed into inaction. We get to dig in. To fall in love with the place God has given us. 
and to dig in. We settle down. We take a breath and we get to work on the square inch that was given to us. Our neighborhoods, our backyards, our homes, our kitchens, our dinner table, our pantries, our fridges, the clothes on our back, the garbage under our sink. We love the place we live. And we're invited to work to mend it, to renew our little corner of this beautiful little planet. So to go big, we're invited to go small, to live faithfully where we are, and to do the work that this square inch of God's creation demands of us. So what does that look like? What does that look like in your life? What does that look like in mine? What does that look like for us here at Community CRC? To help give a little bit of flesh to this, I've invited um, the Fetimas and Heart Fast to come join me. And they are going to come up and join me up here. And they are going to share a little bit of what practicing love for God's creation, practicing creation care looks like in their homes and in their community. So Jenny and Jeff, are you coming up too? I know, now you have to. Now you have to. So Jenny and Jeff are going to be talking about um, in their home, what it has looked like for them and their family with their two girls. And Hart will be speaking to us from uh, Community 8 and how Community 8 has gotten to know the land in their part of Kitchener-Waterloo. Do you want to use the pulpit? Do it. Okay. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, so for those of you who don't know me, I'm Jen Fetima. 
and I'm here to talk um, about how my husband, Jeff, Jeff, um, and our two daughters, Zoe and Elsie, have made some steps to take better care of God's creation. So just a little over a year ago, Jeff and I started to become um, more cognizant of all that we consumed as a family and how we, how we thought what we needed was actually a big, huge list of things we actually wanted. Um, as we continued to learn and practice practical ways of consuming less, our eyes were open to the way our decisions were or were not making an impact on our environment. So we, we became really convicted that we were living a life very separate from God's call to fill the earth and subdue it. Um, we were making decisions that distorted God's command to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. We wanted to instead live a life that taught our girls what it means to honor God by honoring his creation. We wanted to show them that taking care of our planet can be one of the most practical, hands-on forms of worship. Um, we began to commit to making small changes which led to bigger changes. Changes that ranged from as little as ditching plastic produce bags in favor of reusable mesh bags to pretty big changes like growing a huge vegetable garden, raising chickens, and collecting hundreds of gallons of rainwater. We committed to only purchasing secondhand clothes for a year, not only for ethical and human, human rights reasons, but because of the impact fast fashion has on our environment. So having made some of these decisions as a family has led not only to being better stewards of God's creation, but it's helped us to teach our girls about a God who's not only holy, but also creative and gentle and artistic. Our daughter Elsie can name pretty much every plant and flower in our garden. <laughs> Zoe can often be found in the vegetable patch eating beans straight off the vine. Both of them will sit on their lawn chairs in the chicken coop. They're right there. <laughs> Just observing the daily life of our chickens. The girls have learned where food comes from, um, how rainfall affects our growing seasons, and that eggs don't come from the refrigerated section in the grocery store. <laughs> and that taking care of creation is not just a responsibility we are called to, but that it's also a privilege. So I just wanna encourage all of you as families to teach our kids about creation beyond the creation story. Let's show them that a bunch of little changes can have a huge impact. Let them run around barefoot in the garden, squishing mud between their toes and collecting earthworms because not only is it a whole ton of fun, <laughs> super rewarding, but it's also an act of worship. Thank you. My name is Hart Fast, and uh, I'm with the community care group uh, number eight. So uh, a few years ago, we partnered up um, on a Saturday with uh, the Lakeside Park uh, community group. And, uh, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Lakeside Park, so it's just a small park at the corner of uh, Sterling and Greenbrook Ave. Uh, I've seen some people ride their bikes through there and uh, maybe you've taken uh, your kids there, tobogganing, we've got a nice little toboggan hill for smaller children. And uh, the, the highlight of the park is this little kettle lake, it's called um, 
Shoemaker Pond. And it's amazing how much uh, wildlife uh, actually comes through this pond. Like we've had, I've seen uh, egrets there, along with herons, many other type of uh, terns and birds, uh, osprey, and even this uh, last year we had a, a visitor for a week. We had a loon there, so that was quite a special uh, thing to see. But uh, this community care, uh, um, this community group also looks after the park, and so we partner, partnered up, and we uh, thought it'd be good to get to know uh, our community a little bit better, and we um, cleaned up the park, and I think we took out about almost close to 20 bags of garbage out of the park that day, and we helped look, look after it. It's amazing also, too, I went to um, a little information session that was put on by the city about the park and how, uh, how the park is, uh, was much dirtier than it was now, so they've really rejuvenated it by um, adding some uh, native species and taking out some of the invasive species of plants. And um, they've done just great work there. But it was just a really fun day to, to get together with our community, do some work, take care of nature, take care of God's creation, and then at the end, celebrate with a barbecue. So that was always good too. So uh, <laughs> can't, can't get much better than that. So it was really nice. Thank you all for sharing. Thank you very much. And also for <clears throat> saying yes to being part of the sermon. It's risky. Thank you. To go big, we go small. What does it look like for you to be a faithful caretaker of God's creation, acting out of love and hope? How do you settle in, in your square inch? How do you get to know the place you live and dig in. And as you do, as you wrestle with that, maybe as this affirms things you are already doing as a family, as a household, as a community, but as you reflect on this, dig in. Remember and believe that every faithful act of obedience, every faithful act of love and hope, of care for God's creation, is taken up is held together by our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the firstborn of all creation, the one in whom all things hold together, things in heaven and things on this beautiful little planet we call home. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Please pray with me. our creating, sustaining, and redeeming God. We're ready to dig in, to know our place, to know this square inch you have given us. So we ask that we are sensitive and mindful to the way that the Spirit works in our lives, convicting us, challenging us, affirming us, and inviting us as we seek to obey your command to love this world you've given us as a way to love you and to love our neighbor. It's in Jesus' name, the firstborn of creation, that we pray. Amen. <laughs>